Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, conventions, travel, pop culture, and entertainment. You can also catch us at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com. Keyword Skewed, where you can find our game reviews. We have our quarterly magazine, Skewed and Reviewed, the magazine, which is available at Barnes & Noble and other outlets. And, of course, we have my weekly radio segment on B.J. Shea's Geek Nation on KISW-FM, which is uh, broadcast in the Northwest and syndicated through uh, streaming apps, downloads, iTunes, so on and so forth. And I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. And I want to say again, thank you so much to Sci-Fi Radio. You can check us out there as our show runs twice a week. We just started running our segments last week, and they were on uh, Friday morning and Friday evening. You can go to the site, Sci-Fi uh, Radio, check out the um, schedule. There's not only us, but there's plenty of other fantastic uh, entertainment. We have uh, reviews on that page. Uh, lots of other people have reviews, comments, news, and, of course, there is an ongoing uh, selection of fantastic talk shows, music, and other sci-fi related content running all the time. It's sci-fi, S-C-I-F-I dot radio, and that is how you get to the page. Well, we uh, were planning on having a guest this morning coming up to talk about an upcoming convention that I will be speaking at, but apparently there was uh, something happened and they uh, didn't come on, so I hope everything's fine. We're going to attempt to have them on at a later date. I know that we have a guest all lined up for you next week to talk about another upcoming convention uh, as conventions are starting to at least plan for return to in-person shows later this year. So barring that, let's go ahead with the rest of the content and let's go ahead and open the discussion with some news that dropped during this week with EA Play's uh, EA Play Live, EA Electronic Arts has uh, revealed to no real secret, this has widely been rumored for a while, that there's a new Dead Space coming. But instead of being a fourth game in the series, instead, and of course I, I'm not counting the uh, Wii games or the um, mobile games, that sort of thing, I'm, ta I'm talking just the core games, Dead Space, Dead Space 2, Dead Space 3. Uh, this is not done with Visceral, because Visceral was disbanded. This is essentially a remake, but it is not a remaster in that they're going back to the original, but it's gonna have an expanded storyline, new areas, new content, and updated graphics. So uh, we'll start with Justin, what do you think? Well, um, I'm a huge Dead Space fan. I'll call myself a huge Dead Space fan. I loved it when it came out originally back in 2007. Uh, probably one of my favorite EA titles uh, you know, very heavily inspired by Alien. I'm a big Alien fan as well, as uh, as I speak about very often. So I'm excited. I mean, Dead Space still is one of my favorite uh, survival horror games. Um, very much a kind of uh, taking the Resident Evil 4 uh, gameplay style and making a, um, you know, an Alien kind of-esque game out of it. So uh, I... I absolutely love Dead Space, and I'm obviously really excited, and I'm really excited to see more. We don't have a release date, which is, uh, you know, to, to be expected, but I was kind of hoping maybe uh, there would be 
at least a little information, like a release window, like 2022. Um, the fact there wasn't even a year attached to it kind of maybe implies that we're pretty far out from this game coming out. But regardless, I'm excited. You know, I think one thing, this is kind of a wild idea. Um, I'm kind of hoping that maybe they take this opportunity to kind of, um, kind of set a new path. I mean, uh, Dead Space 2... I think it, Dead Space Two is probably my favorite um, of the games. Dead Space One is very good, but I think Dead Space Two really hit their stride on on everything their their game design, their story, uh, just about everything about Dead Space Two. I think um, is really the pinnacle of the series. It's really Dead Space Three that I think a lot of uh, fans of the series. It's a little bit divisive, and I think they. You know, if they're gonna remake the first one, why not remake the second one, and then maybe take the opportunity to sort of like take a different route? Uh, it's, it's very much inspired. It, it seems like they're kind of taking the the same tack that uh, Capcom did with Resident Evil Two, the Resident Evil Two remake that was very well received a few years ago. Um, so we'll kind of have to see exactly what they do. I mean, that that Resident Evil Two remake was flawless. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite games of the last several years, and I think. Um, what they did was they kind of took the original Resident Evil 2 from uh, 1998 and they modernized it. They added elements. They added story elements. They kind of like really fleshed it out. And I think they could take the opportunity with Dead Space as well. Uh, maybe not a one-for-one -one remake, but stick really close to the original, but really kind of uh, take the opportunity to expand things, uh, maybe change a few elements here or there just to make it a... Uh, you know, it's a slightly more unique experience, and um, you know, if it's really successful, maybe they'll remake the second one, and maybe they'll uh, take a little different route and kind of t take the story in a different direction. And Michael, your take, please. Yeah, no, and I completely agree with Justin. I think Dead Space is also what it, probably my favorite um, survival horror game of all time. You know, I my one my only big concern about this is how much they try to. You know, I'm all about remastering the graphics, adding story elements, um, as long as the core gameplay tends to stay the same. Um, and we've seen remakes that have gone excellent, like Justin uh, pointed out, the Resident Evil 2, um, to some degree Resident Evil 3, although that was more of a Resident Evil 2.5 uh, kind of remake, where they actually went back and uh, modernized it, changed the elements of the gameplay, uh, made it, you know, Made, made it more accessible, I think, to folks now. Um, Dead Space not being quite as old and still kind of using the same, you know, first-person shooter kind of genre that a lot of other games have built upon. Um, it certainly could do with a graphical makeover. I just am curious, you know, I, how how it will turn out, if they're, how, how close they're going to stick to the original storyline, how much of it's going to change. Um, what kinds of things are we going to see? Again, I, I love the game. I still think Dead Space and Dead Space 2 hold up fairly well today. I, I mean, I really do think they still hold up pretty well today. Um, even graphically, as though they're not, even though they're not as uh, sharp, I, I think the gameplay and everything still holds up pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I'll be curious to see um, what the take is on this. Uh, I certainly think a remaster is in order, and I certainly hope that... Um, the remake itself is more of an expansion upon the original and not a not a complete retelling um again because we've seen these do well and we've seen these do not so well and i you know i would really i would really like to see a, a, a fresh take on dead space while sticking to the original 
uh, that made made it a classic, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the funny thing about it is that it's so odd that the first two are considered absolute classics, and then the third completely divided uh, the fan base. And if you remember back, this is the one where the whole issue of microtransactions really came, in my opinion, to a forefront. This is the one where everybody started to complain about, oh, it's pay for win, and there was the whole love-hate about, well, I don't like the co-op play, I do like the co-op play, and then there was people, you know, again coming out saying, well, the games are already brutally hard as it is in some areas, and now it basically seems to be that if you want an easier path to victory, you're going to have to pony up and do that. And there were just so many things that people turned on it over, and it's a shame because that steered them away from future games and the franchise and then you had the you know visceral being shut down but then the demand has constantly been there and i think it's very interesting because in many ways they could have simply said and maybe they still will they could have simply said hey we're going to put dead space one two three back out in a trilogy we've seen that happen whenever a new console platform comes out that stuff that was from the prior versions although this is going back a couple of console versions at this point. Um, hey, we've got Dead Space 1 through 3 remastered in a brand new package, ideal for the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X and S and so on and so forth. But instead they decided, okay, we're gonna do a whole new take on it. Now my guess is like you guys said, it will probably keep the concept of Isaac Clark, well, we not probably, we know this, it'll keep the concept of Isaac Clark going aboard the ship, the necromorphs are there, have to blow off the limbs, so on and so forth. But I'm guessing it'll be pretty much a new story point and you won't have the same missions, uh, do this, do that, this is gonna happen. There'll probably be some elements that throw back, but essentially I'm guessing it'll be a whole new story built around the concept of the original. But of course, I'm sure there will be plenty of uh, nods to say, okay, um, we're keeping the window open for more down the line. Um, I personally like the idea of trying a co-op mode for the game. The only problem with it is I know a lot of people felt that A, it took away from the element of survival horror. Um, I looked at it from saying it can be brutally difficult in parts and having the ability to have someone come in and help you out is certainly a lot better than rage quitting because uh, I can remember some levels in Dead Space 2 that took uh, especially that narrow corridor trying to fight to that elevator that took quite a few attempts to get through and uh, you know finally getting there hitting the elevator button and having to hold on for dear life until it opened and barely having like one bar of health when I got through it but when you finish the game you really felt like you would accomplish something and so I'm, I'm, you know, naturally I'm very curious to see what they have. My first thought was, oh man, are they going to try to do this in VR, which would be absolutely insane. But uh, they've got people's interest. I mean, social media has definitely lit up with this. A lot of the gaming aggregate sites like N4G have lots of stories that are doing exceptionally well. So we will see what happens. And I guess this is definitely going to be one to keep an eye on. Moving forward, uh, let's talk about something uh, that's happening over in the world of entertainment, movies in particular. Last night, Disney had their star-studded red carpet Jungle Cruise premiere at Disneyland itself. They had The Rock and Emily Blunt, or excuse me, Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt arrive on one of the famous Jungle Cruise boats. Uh, 
just last weekend the attraction had reopened with the new updates and such and of course they had the big star-studded premiere of the movie last night uh, we get our chance to see it tomorrow so looking forward to that we'll have our review up uh, as soon as the embargo lifts on it and this is a film that if you remember not only has Disney invested quite a lot of money this is a film that has been delayed several times they had originally planned the movie to come out uh, and it was delayed and then they had planned another uh, time frame for it and then COVID hit and then that led to a year-long delay and here we have it so it you know this essentially they joke about how they wrap filming on this in 2019 last night during the premiere the producers were asked have you done any tweaking or anything to it over the delay and they said no they had locked it in a year ago uh, that the right as COVID was starting they locked it in the final cut they said that the uh, big reason for this is that when they showed it to the test audiences the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive so they felt they had everything they needed so michael your take what do you think about this and uh how do you think it's going to do in light of the current uh theatrical market and in fact knowing that it'll also be on disney plus premiere yeah i think i, I well i think the disney plus premiere is going to hurt the box office um, numbers for it absolutely because i don't think it's going to have the draw that say a black widow would and we saw how black widow um, really seemed to be impacted by the Disney Plus premiere. Not for the opening. The opening was good, obviously, but for the next one, uh, for the next week and, and going forward. So I really do think that that Disney Plus premiere is going to probably be a, something that's going to hurt this particular movie. Um, I'm excited to see it. Um, I've got uh, tickets already for the, the next week um, that we're seeing with a bunch of folks at a theater. So uh, I'm excited for it, but I'd be honest, it wouldn't be one that I would probably have gone to the theater to see. Um, otherwise, so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it does. Again, I think, I think for movies such as these, I think the Disney Plus premiere is a good way for Disney to bring in the money on these things. But I do believe it actually does um, hurt the potential at the box office for a movie, um, where where I think if it had been just released to movies with a Disney Plus um, option, maybe a month or two months down the road, I think probably would have been a better option if they were looking to pull in numbers from the box office itself. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean. I still think that particularly now that the timing of this release is unfortunate because the pandemic seems to be raging a lot heavier now than it was maybe a month ago. And I think the numbers probably would have been a bit different a month ago, but I do, I do believe now with where everything is and how things seem to be heading again, that I do think that a box office release probably won't be as uh, substantial as Disney's hoping for. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, I think Michael's completely right on that. Um, I don't see this movie doing better than Black Widow at the box office for pretty much all those exact same reasons. Um, I think at least a segment of this is having things released simultaneously on two platforms. It, it, you're just going to split your audience. Um, you know, a movie's audience is not homogenous. There's a lot of different groups of people who are seeing it for different reasons. You might have hardcore fans. You might have people who really prefer the theater-going experience, so they're going to go see it in the theaters. You might have people who are just kind of lightly interested in it, and then they have to weigh, oh, do I want to, you know, go um, to a theater, uh, even if I might be concerned about safety issues, or I can just watch it at home. Um, so given all of those different groups of people, they all kind of 
have a they all come at the the movie with a different uh perspective so uh, i think this movie will probably not do very well at the box office but at the same time what movies are doing very well at the box office uh black widow had a, a pretty good first week and then it dropped off very considerably so i, I think right now we're, we're just kind of in a phase where movies are just not going to do very well at the box office and it's probably going to take uh another year or so before things settle and maybe even a year from now things might not be completely back to pre-covid and uh expectations for what a movie can or, can or should do at the box office but what's going to become difficult is when they move beyond um this current slate of movies that are all mostly done already and um you know then we start have to ask the questions like the budgeting for movies going forward if this continues so i'm kind of curious to see it uh what the industry does in that perspective one of the big questions is going to be how well these things are doing on pay-per-view we know we've talked about how apparently certain well the cinema industry is not thrilled about black widow being available day and date on pay-per-view because they feel that was what caused the huge drop from week one to week two uh disney did release their week one numbers for pay-per-view uh but we don't know what it is going forward now uh before the box office numbers for this weekend come in uh black widows at 260 four million and change there's a lot of belief that it will be uh approaching 300 million worldwide by the uh if not by the end of this weekend by next week and then you can add in um you know conservative estimate maybe 100 million more on pay-per-view so therefore from a studio standpoint they've turned in and made a nice profit on the film uh but at the same time like you said there's that whole issue that we've discussed multiple times before about some hurt feelings with certain exhibitors. That's why AMC, Regal, and others cut deals with um, Warner Brothers and Universal about, hey, this is the window from uh, how long they have to be in theaters before they can go on streaming platforms and how much we're going to get from it. And then you also look at it that Fast 9, again, not counting this weekend's numbers, is close to 600 million worldwide. So the flip side of it is you've had some films do well but now of course as you said we have the delta variant rising is this going to affect theaters are we going to be pushed back to pay-per-view we've had the discussion quite a bit last year with theaters excuse me with um studios saying look we've invested a lot of money we've been sitting on these things we have a backlog coming we have to make our money back in any way shape or form we're going to throw it to the theaters you do what you can with it and make your money but we're going to cover our bets and stick it on pay-per-view as well because we need to recoup on our investments and that is going to be very interesting in the weeks ahead to uh see what happens because as you said you have the jungle cruise coming up and i think that's going to be popular the question is what format are people going to uh see it in you have the suicide squad coming up in early august and that is also another one that you could see you know is it going to light people up you have free guy there's going to be interest in that uh but again is that the type of film that's going to rush people to the office currently uh the office excuse me the box office and that's uh you know that's the big mystery is are people going to all of a sudden pull back or are they just simply going to say i'm okay with things and i'm going to go ahead and watch these films um you know we've already seen old and gi joe snake eyes open to less than 
expected numbers. Uh, but then again, at the same time, you also have a whole list of films that are sitting there. And we have to question again, are we going to see a rise of uh, delays and possibly a renewed interest in, oh boy, the but like, for example, a film like Candyman, this is something where you could easily see perhaps they say, you know what, Universal, maybe we need to rethink our strategy and go streaming on this because horror films do not traditionally have a large budget, which does make them appealing to theatrical release. But at the same time, uh, you know, we have Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings due in September. I could easily see Disney again saying, yep, we're going to stick with our model of putting it in the theaters and putting it on Disney Plus premiere. And it'll be very interesting, especially with about the 90-day window, because you are going to see people saying, well, do I want to pony up and watch the movie, or are we just going to wait and then take our uh, watch it a few months later? But who knows? It, it's just one of those great mysteries we've been talking about forever. Now, swinging over to a less uh, pleasant topic, but I do think one that does need to be addressed, is that uh, parent company Activision Blizzard is now facing uh, investigation slash lawsuits from the state of California over toxic workplace environment uh, due to numerous claims of sexual harassment, discrimination, so on and so forth. Uh, over on the Blizzard side, there have apparently been quotes that attributed things to a frat house mentality where women felt they were not only being harassed, that they were being denied advancement uh, based on their gender and in some cases their race. Um, certain ex-people uh, from the company have come forward and expressed their deep concern and disappointment over uh, what is happening. The company has said, well, we've made numerous changes to address these things. Uh, Justin, really quick, uh, your take on all this. Well, uh, yeah, so I, I read quite a bit about, or read quite a bit of, from the lawsuit, um, the documents that were posted online. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, it's from what I read, it was unclear whether this was all kind of, uh, historical events or, you know, things that are still going on there. Um, not that it matters a ton. I mean, if it happened, um, I mean, I, I guess it matters a little bit if it goes to, um, you know, if it goes to court, if, if Activision shows that they've made reasonable changes, that they knew about this in the past and they made reasonable changes and it's not really going on anymore, that will certainly help their case. But, um, but yeah, it's pretty bad. It really reads like kind of the, um, the boilerplate kind of stuff you would expect when you, you know, you work in any corporate environment and they, they give you training on, on these kinds of, uh, these kinds of issues this is these are you know just straight out of that um you know no uh no real way to interpret it in any positive way um it looked like it was a pretty pretty bad environment um hopefully that's still not going on there uh right now but um but yeah it's uh it's pr it's a pretty bad uh stain on the company and uh blizzard in particular has had a several years now of pretty bad press um very you know uh incidents here and there over the last couple of years have really kind of uh diminished their their trust among uh their consumers so um you know it's it's another 
it's another uh, strike against them, I guess. Um, but you know, hopefully they can turn it around and actually make it a, um, you know, a good place to work. Uh, it's, that's hugely important. That's obviously, uh, you you can't you know this kind of stuff is just crazy. Um, but yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a it, they end up you know kind of revamping their company and and uh, in, instituting standards that um, that every company really should have. And Michael, your take, please. Yeah, and I, I find that particularly disappointing for any company, um, but particularly for one like Blizzard or any other company that's, uh, how do I say it, it newer, newish, um, that's based usually around a bunch of younger people um, who you would hope would be, I don't know, it, this, this always seems like something to me where you would see more of the lack of promotion or lack of equal treatment being something that would be more of an older school mentality and not something that would be as as new as, as a company like Blizzard um, and Activision is. But what it does show is that this kind of stuff can happen anywhere. And it's very, uh, I, the good thing is it's coming out. Uh, it's unfortunate, it sounds like it because it went on, I think some of these reports were dated back to 2010, maybe even earlier. Um, so the fact that it took 10, 11 plus years for some of this to come out is pretty disheartening. Uh, you know, and, and again, I, you know, a lot. it's easy for, I think, a lot of people to say, well, if they didn't like the environment, they should find another job or, or something like that. But let's let's you know, it's not always that easy and it shouldn't be that way. I mean, you should feel safe um, to be working in a professional environment. Um, you know, and this is something that I think absolutely should be called out no matter where you're working. And, and I think it's maybe it's a little naive to think that things are a little bit better in today's culture where we're more um, conscious of these things and we're, and we're willing to, to speak up more. But it just goes to show that these things are still occurring and still happening. And, you know, it's, it's I think, up for everybody who is in these environments to be willing to stand up and say they're not going to accept this. I think that's even more appropriate for people if they're seeing it happening to colleagues, whether it's, it's an age thing because they're younger or older, or it's a, you know, male, female, whatever, that people are willing to stand up and say, no, we're not going to accept this and and be willing to take that risk and do so and and it is a big risk for a lot of people to say something because it does impact their potential for jobs you know potential for raises um but until i think we kind of start calling these things out i don't think think things are going to improve and and while again this the focus right now is on activision and blizzard i don't think it's good for us to kid ourselves that we that we still don't have these things occurring at other companies and this is a an example, but also one that we should be aware of when it comes to other, you know, when we're, we're talking about other places of business, this is not a, unfortunately a one-off thing for Activision Blizzard right now. Yeah. And what's really surprising to me is I look back in the nineties when I worked in, into 2000, early 2000, uh, uh, like 2000, yeah, it was about 2001 when I worked at Monolith and Sierra and you know, this, this, kind of stuff was a no-brainer i mean it was basically laid out very clearly uh you don't do this you don't do that i mean i guess you could say on some regards uh i never heard of any incident of it but i would say in some regards you know there there might have been uh i i hesitate to use the word tolerance but like for example you if you saw somebody doing something that wouldn't wouldn't be as extreme as some of these reported cases and by that i mean someone like for example someone repeatedly asking someone out not being graphic about it not being 
uh, inappropriate, but you know what at one time was considered okay, but now considered um, harassment or you know the comments about hey your hair looks really hot or your outfit looks really sexy something like that that um, you would see them say hey look this is not appropriate um, you can't do this again just you know I know there might be the old hey I know you didn't mean anything by it but they have a problem with it just be mindful that's it in my opinion this stuff well there's no opinion about it this stuff if true very clearly crossed all those lines because you know there there is no way you could say oh this was a misunderstanding blah 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 and there's been a focus in the last few years on toxic environments and when it was first brought to my attention when I you know I thought somebody had said oh hey there's this issue over at this company and my first thought was okay is this about crunch time again and the over all the mandatory overtime that they do to get a game out the door? Is this about the uh, fact that people who are hired as contractors uh, for testing are feeling that they're uh, basically not getting a fair shake because the employees get parties, they get bonuses, they get all this kind of stuff and they get just their hourly rate and they go from there and so on and so forth. But when I found out the details of it, I mean, this is very disturbing and it, it does seem like the industry and uh, company are trying to address these issues. I mean, we can sit here and argue and debate until the cows come home about why this wasn't addressed sooner, why this continues to happen now. Um, you know, it's like anything else. It's it's you tell someone don't do this, don't do that, but unless you enforce it, and like in many cases, it seems that people in power were basically doing this with the understanding that they're due to their position there wouldn't be uh, much in the way of repercussions and there you have it so it'll be interesting to see what comes out from this so moving on to a more uh, positive subject i wanted to talk about some things that we're going to be covering pretty extensively we are planning to do some in-person coverage uh, both team and myself uh, as we get closer to halloween but first off Universal Studios has got their very impressive looking Halloween Horror Nights coming. Tickets are on sale right now, and it runs select nights on September 9th to October 31st at Universal Studios. Now, it's important to remember that uh, by select nights, we are talking traditionally Thursday through uh, Sunday, and that uh, it's also important to note that there are flex pricing uh, attached to this. And by that, I mean certain nights are going to be more expensive. Essentially, the tickets start at $69, can go up to $99. And that means that like the weekends leading up to Halloween, you're gonna pay premium price, whereas the nights in September, you're looking at $69, $79, so pick a night. They've announced some mesas so far, The Haunting of Hill House based on Netflix, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I went through one of those a few years ago. I'm wondering if it's the same one. It was quite good. Exorcist, also another one that I went through. Uh, Universal Monsters, Bride of Frankenstein Lives, and The Curse of Pandora's Box. Uh, remember, being a film studio, they have all kinds of professional props and um, effects, and so it's definitely an event you don't want to miss. There are some shows. I know we got to see Jabberwockies uh, during the time I was there. One of the Purge events went on. 
And of course, they have the very popular uh, Backlot Tram Tour, which has a evening available one. Uh, some of the things that they have right now is that no costumes or costume masks are going to be allowed. And there has also been, I'm trying to remember if this has been finalized or not, but I understand that there was some talk that they might do the new Jurassic World ride uh, where you go through in the dark. I know um, Knott's is, uh, not Knott's, but uh, SeaWorld is going to be doing that because that brings to us to our next topic, the Hallow Scream event, which is starting for the first time in San Diego. They've run a Halloween event at their San Antonio Park. I was there for the reveal. We were not expecting it to be Halloween related, and it was fantastic. Select dates, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, and select Thursday, September 17th through the 31st at SeaWorld San, uh, SeaWorld San Diego. You are definitely going to want to check that out. And they have talked about uh, certain attractions being done in the dark. There will be scare zones, indoor events, houses of horrors, and uh, much more specialty foods. Uh, so, Michael, start with you. What do you think? Well, I'm always a big fan of all the, um, the Halloween events that they have going on. Um, I know Universal always does a fantastic show. Again, they do have the, the professional props, the you know professional actors, um, you know that do all those things. And I think that'll be a really good opportunity for things to kind of feel a little bit back to normal. Um, you know, Halloween's a hopefully a time where things will start to you know settle down. Hopefully, we'll be past everything that's going on now, um, and actually be able to enjoy it a bit uh, more this year than we have in the past. So yeah, I think it's great. And Justin, your take, please. Yeah, um, I haven't. I haven't really yep. been to any. Justin may have disappeared there. So uh, yeah, a lot of stuff to look forward to. We also are going to be doing some coverage of Not Scary Farm, so we'll have the information on that when we get it. And also, let's not forget that um, Oogie Boogie's party over at Disneyland is taking place. Tickets are selling out very quickly on that, so you will want to go to their website and. Uh, check that out so for now that is everything we have folks i really appreciate you uh listening and we look forward to talking to you again very soon until then take care